you go up there and all you want to do is just you want to divide us even more instead of uniting us and being a leader and showing us that we're going to get through it. Uh, you didn't do that. Government, if given too much power, they make a lot of bad decisions. Focus on your family, focus on your community and setting the standard of what you think America should be. Be Strive for excellence. Strive to make your community better. Strive to make your household better. Because if every single family out there does that, every small town, every community sets a higher standard and wants to be wants to go against the establishment, and that's kind of what the town is, that's hard to control. So if you are a if you are a farmer over leveraged and you're over leveraged, this is what's gonna this is what's gonna put some of those guys on the on the out. All of the food we eat and much of the clothing we wear comes from plants and animals that are raised on farms. Farms are different in type, in size, and even in name. Welcome to Barn Talk. What happens at the barn stays in the barn until now. We're going to let it all out for you guys. Today is going to be a political one. It's, it's a hot topic. So if buckle your seatbelt, get on the train, or get off the train. Because if you get offended easily, you get butt hurt easily, uh, this is not the one for you. So if you don't want to listen to our political views, tune in to next week's episode. But if you do, welcome. Love to have you. Thanks for supporting the, supporting the show. And uh, pay the fee if you get any value. So if you guys know the drill... If you get any value from the show, share it out with your friends, family, coworkers, employees, whoever, trying to do some good in this world, uh, or also leave a review on Spotify and Apple because it pushes our podcast out to more people. Um, and you guys have been doing a good job so far, so just keep it up. And we don't run ads to promote the show, so it's all organic. It's kind of the ticket to admission to watch or listen to the show. So we appreciate everybody that does that and continues to do it. I feel kind of offended already. Yeah? You got shit in your drawers or what? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm, b- before we, before I go on a rant or a tangent here, you know, I'm fired up. I got my American shirt on here, but uh, we got to get a market update before I talk. But there was a YouTube comment that uh, I think we need to address and just talk about a little bit before we get all into the show, but we probably should get a market update before then. Okay. What do you say? Well, that's fine. We can do that. I'm eager to hear. I'm eager to hear. Yeah. Uh, markets on the stock market side, kind of choppy. You know, this market's been up and down and hasn't really gone anywhere. And I don't know. I uh, I don't think it's going to go anywhere for a little while. Everybody's waiting to see what the feds do, whether they're going to raise interest rates again. And I think it's a foregone conclusion that they probably will because they seem pretty committed to uh, raising interest rates because they want to try to kill inflation. But uh, we've talked before, I'm not sure whether our inflation problems uh, can be fixed by interest rates, uh, but we'll see. Anyway, uh, oil's 86 bucks, so it's just kind of hanging in there. Um one thing that's driving a lot around the world is China's got a lot of problems, and so 
the dollar is strong, and um, I think that's kind of weighing on a lot of foreign markets, and it's weighing on oil too. Um, and I don't think we really have a demand problem as much as we have a, a manufacturing problem. In other words, all of the all the lockdowns and all the logistics problems is hurting demand for oil. Uh, so it's not like we have this huge demand that we can't feed. There's plenty of oil out there. We have trouble getting it where we need it, and we have problems processing it. Um, and I think that's what's kind of driving the oil market. Uh, Tesla 274 was up a little bit. Um, Bitcoin's 19,000, so uh, crypto winter has not died yet. Uh, we made it out for a little while, but it's right back down. Um, Ethereum's 1583 hasn't really changed much. Gold 1712, I think a week ago it was 1800, and silver 1790, a week ago it was 18, hasn't changed much. So corn is 680 on the board, and you can get 705 local and uh, Eddyville, eight bucks. So they're still wanting corn pretty bad. Soybeans, fifteen forty six at the river and fourteen ninety on the board. Bean meals, four thirty five a ton. Wheat's eight bucks. Hogs, ninety one dollars. Hogs, I just cannot figure out. I think I sound like a broken record. I can't figure out what's going on with this hog market because numbers worldwide are down. I don't care if you're talking about China, Europe. U.S. and Canada, uh, everywhere, all the numbers are down from a year ago. And I don't think it's the demand side either. I just, uh, nothing seems to be able to get this price going, and it needs to go for the cost of feed. Cattle, 145 Cattle doesn't have that problem. Uh, cattle, pretty good price. Um, yeah, that's about it. That was pretty That was pretty, quick. pretty rapid I got fire. As fast as I could, because I want to hear about, I want to hear this comment. Yeah. Okay. Well, so we got a little political, I think, in our Barn Talk Q&A last week. We just talked a little bit about uh, what 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 our thoughts were and like kind of what, we barely talked about it, but we got a little political and somebody got upset about it. Apparently we talked enough. They, when we say we don't care who you are, what race you are, who you want to sleep with, uh who you want to be, what you want to do in this country. When we say we don't care, we're not saying we don't care about our fellow man and the fact that we don't sympathize with our fellow man. When we say we don't care, it means we want you to do what you want to do with your life and be who you want to be in this country, and we don't care. We don't hold any ill will towards you and what you decide to be, right? That's what we're saying. So choose to be who you want to be, do what you want to do. We just don't want to pay for it. And we just we're on the we're on the train that it's your life, you can do what you want, it's your body whatever, go do what you want. We just don't want to pay for it. Because we do a lot of that in this country nowadays. We pay for a lot of the things that people want to be or do. And it's not it's not that I don't know. I that's a hard system to figure out because taxes is just a monster, but it's not that we don't sympathize with our fellow man and we don't care about our fellow man. It's it's that we just, well, you know, do you have anything you want to say about that? Because he got confused like we don't sympathize with people right. and other under other genders, other 
uh, groups, like we don't sympathize with them. We don't care about them. Yeah. But that's not what we're trying to come off as. We care about our fellow man and our fellow American, no matter who you are or what you do. That's what makes this country great is you yeah. could choose to be who you want to be and do what you want to do. That's what we're saying. We're all on this podcast. What you got to understand is we are freedom. We are freedom loving Americans. We want to keep freedom intact in this country no matter what. So that is how we kind of look at things. Yeah. Truthfully, when you, when you boil it all down, that's how we look at this country and how, it should, how we want the country to stay is free. We want you to be able to choose what you want to do and who you want to be, right? Yeah. I think that's Without very, the demise of other Americans. Well, I think that's the key. So I think one of the problems that we have today is... <sighs> just one. I can only talk about one problem. But um, the idea that somebody's somebody's agenda gets forced upon a group of people. Um, I'm not for that. And some people will, will say that we're all operating on white privilege and that everybody, if you're not, if you're not, if you don't look like me, you're already at a disadvantage and you're, um, the whole world's run on that, or the whole country's ran on my white privilege. I don't share that view, but then again, I'm privileged, so why would I show, share that view? But to turn around and force a group of people, um, the idea that now then they should be discriminated against for jobs or for fill-in-the-blank whether or not they're qualified, whether or not uh, they're, they're following the law, because you need to get a quota of this type of person or that type of person, you're not helping, you're not helping those, those groups that feel alienated because most of those people would not want to achieve said outcome by having it handed to them or by them being pushed this way, everybody just wants the opportunity to uh, be free and to make their choices and to live their life. And no matter what we're talking about, it seems like government has a very hard time meddling in anything without screwing it up. I mean, I've how many times have we talked about, I mean, government is good at taxing, they're good at killing people and they're good at breaking things. And really, that's what government was designed to do was to defend this country by all means necessary and get the money to do that by taxing. Everything else that they do, especially on the social scope, they don't do a very good job because when you start trying to push one agenda at the or one group, when you try to, air quotes, help one group, it ends up being at the expense of another group, and you end up with artificial outcomes, and that's a whole other podcast. Well, the problem but, is they don't look at people as just people. Like, you know how you solve racism? You stop talking about race. You right. want to stop, you want to solve 
uh, sexuality and you stop talking about sexuality. You just let people be and choose and look at them as people and not what group they're in. Right. And then if you're in a company, you hire off skill level, not for a quota for your company to look a certain way because you hired this many Hispanics or this many black people or this many white people. Or this many women. It's all about, yeah, or this many women or this many gay men or this many transgender people. You know, just hot. Why stop talking about it? Base people off of their skill level and who they are as people, not what group they're in. Yeah. That's what that's what we gotta do as in this country. We gotta get away from putting everybody in boxes and judging people based off of this thing or that thing, race, sexuality, whatever, and just look at them as people. Because truly, I believe we're not in we're not in the minority of thinking that way. Right. We look at people as people. And your, our first interaction with you is how we're going to judge you as a person, not your race, not your sexual, you know, we're not going to, we'll probably sit down and have a beer with you and it's, and whatever comes out of your mouth is how we'll judge you as a person. Yeah. You know, it's really, that's truthfully how we look at it. And I think most people look at it that way. We just want to do our thing. You do your thing and just let it not hurt another group. That's in this in America, so, I, and I don't know what you do to solve that. But I think if we just stop talking about those certain things, that would help a lot. So but they don't want to stop talking about it because the sh- they want to alienate groups. They yes, they right now in this country, there's an awful lot of time and political capital being spent to divide to divide, and we're actually going to talk about that today. Um, but to get to that comment to make the short story long is when we say we don't care, we mean we don't care about labels and what group, what group you're in. Right. We, we don't care. We don't just, just do your best and, and, and go about your business and we'll go about ours. Yes. That's what we mean. And we're not going to have preconceived judgments towards you on what, what you, what your race is, what your ethnicity is, who you want to sleep with, etc. We don't care. Do your thing, and we're going to do ours. And if we ever see you, see you at a bar and we or a restaurant or something, we have an interaction. That's what we're going to judge you off of. Is that conversation? Nothing else. That's what we're saying. So I hope that clears things up because I know that can come off in a way. I, I sat there and I thought, and I was like, I guess that could come off in a way that people don't think we sympathize with our fellow American, but it isn't the truth. That's not what we mean when we say we don't care. We just are freedom-loving Americans, and we want to keep freedom intact, and we feel like everybody should have their opportunity to be and do what they want to do. So I hope that covers it. I know we went on a little rant there, but I felt like it was important to cover it. So, Speaking of freedom and, yeah, and divisiveness and all this, yeah, so we're going to have to talk about the thing that's been trending a lot in politics the last, I don't know, week, week. Biden's speech. Everybody, you either saw the photo or you either watched the, the uh, speech yourself. but Or you saw the memes. Or the memes, whatever, uh, but it was absolutely disgusting. Cringy. It was disgusting. Probably the worst imagery of an American president in our history of this country. Uh, the optics. I mean, politics is all about optics and imagery. And I'll just say whoever thought it was a good idea to paint, paint the background blood red 
and have two guards behind two Marines, two Marines behind Joe Biden. At attention. Yeah, I mean, it, it needs to be fired. They should they should have been fired yesterday. If they're not fired, are you know they need to be gone because that was just absolutely disgusting. And I know a lot of you just rolled your eyes like, oh, what you big big baby, but. I think most Americans can agree and look at that picture and go, what the fuck were you thinking? What were you thinking? Yeah. Um, I mean, what do you, what do you think when you look at that picture? What, well, what vibes, what, what do you instantly think of? So the choice of, of the, the red background and the way it was lit, it, to me, it looked, well, it looked communist. It looked like something you'd associate with Putin or with Stalin or something like that. Hitler? Um, yeah. Um, but regardless of, of that. And I got I got Star Wars Palpatine. Vibes. Oh, there's all kinds of did you I saw a great uh a great clip where somebody put Bane's face mask on oh, Biden. Yeah, yeah that just was said good. everybody go to your home and hold your family close and you know, out of out of the Batman uh, movie. Um, so yeah, it, it got a lot of. I think it got a lot of bad press because even even the well, like even CNN called it out, which is unusual for them. But it was just it was just poorly done. And I think I don't know if you trace that back to the White House Chief of Staff. A lot of people claim that he's the one that really orchestrates Biden's speeches and how things look and how things go and um it was just a poor choice but beyond that i think the more i'd say the more dangerous part of the speech was the speech and the idea that um anybody that voted for trump anybody that has supported trump um really pretty much anybody that was a republican now he said he said in there, oh, not all Republicans are like that, and, you know, independents are fine and all that, but um, that, you know, you pretty much alienated half the country, maybe more than the country, and... The th- yeah, I'd say probably more than half, just because his approval rate's at 30-something percent. Yeah. So you alienated more than half of, and, of the country. And then the other side of that is, some people thought that he was really... That that speech, and then he he stayed on that. So well, it wasn't just that speech. He spoke uh, just two days ago, and he stayed with that rhetoric about um, Republicans are the greatest threat to our democracy. Yeah, it's pretty much the vibe, and the, and that's what he said. That's what I got out of it. Is yeah. Republicans, conservatives are the greatest threat to our democracy, and the thing that bothers me most about it, yeah, that part bothers me obviously, but. Biden was supposed to be this uniter. He ran on, he's going to come after Trump and unite us. He's not going to stir the pot up too much. And I think a lot of people bought into that, and that's why they voted for him. It's because, oh, he's not going to stir the pot. He's not going to be divisive. He's going to just bring everybody together. And that is not what was shown about a week ago when he spoke. It was not, that was not what was shown. He alienated half of the... uh, population in the United States and I don't really know I think the goal of the speech was because midterms are coming up and I guess he wanted to draw a line in the sand and try to bring people over but honestly I believe he probably pushed a lot of Democrats away with it 
Well, I mean, you're exactly right. So he wanted to fire up the base, and the base, the far left side of the base, I'm sure they were fired up because they, they believe that. And um, so I think he got that reaction. But the thing that really surprised me was, okay, really we're down to in this country, you've got to go after the independents. You got to go past, you got to go after the independents and the middle, and you got to get them to go one way or the other. And I don't, you look at that speech, and if if I was an independent, I don't feel like that that would give me a comfort level that I thought, yeah, I need to stick with what the Democratic Party's doing. Because if if an independent is more middle of the road, that speech was not anything near middle of the road. And, and that's what we're, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I think he ran on. I'm going to be this middle of the road kind of guy. Yeah. Well, not too left. I'm not going to be too socialist, but but his every his, all his actions thus far, have, his presidency has been totally pulled left. Yeah. Pulled left hard. Hard. Um, I don't think Joe Biden. If you look at him over his political career, um, I don't think anybody would claim that he was a left leaning Democrat. He really wasn't. Um, I would say, if anything, he was an opportunist in the fact that I feel like. He really just did what he thought would uh, further his money. political yeah. career, and uh, he wasn't. He didn't want to get too far, too far one way or the other. Um, as he just, he was just toting the line pretty mm-hmm. much. But once he was elected, you could see that his his staff and the people that he surrounded himself with, and really the people that are running the Democratic Party today they've pulled that thing left hard and I don't know. We'll see whether, I mean, we're going to see if it works because he definitely was trying to fire up the base and they're looking for anything they can do to try to salvage this, um, this midterm. And I've seen that I've seen the story put out there that, Oh, the, the red wave is going to be more like, a a, a pink ripple that, you know, the Democrats aren't going to lose near as many seats as what everybody thought, and that, you know, he's getting stuff done. That was part of the reason that he pulled this uh, student loan forgiveness. A lot of people think that the reason he did that is because that was one of the promises he made, and he's got to have some stuff to run on in the midterms for candidates to put out there that look what we've gotten done. And they got the they got the big pork barrel um bill passed, the inflation fighter or whatever you want to call it. And then he did this student loan. And then these speeches that he's doing, like I said, that wasn't the only speech he did like that. Just two days ago, he kind of stayed on that, um, that fired up, um, right wing Republicans or the enemy of the state and, uh, divide, divide, divide. It was kind of, I mean, it just felt like it was a a presidential campaign speech. Like he was, like he was, uh, it was like almost like one of those TV ads you see when campaigning starts coming around where it's totally destroying the other party and it's just, it's just gross and disgusting. No one likes watching those kinds of ads, but that kind of, I mean, that's kind of what it felt like, but he was alienating one side of the country and it, it, it just was, it was not good. It was not a good look optics wise and it just wasn't a good look speech wise and 
Uh, what I'd say is he couldn't really use that opportunity and to, you know, unite us and talk about the issues that I think all of us Americans in some way are, are struggling with, whether it be inflation, the economy, uh, the border, you know, are we ever going to fix this border crisis, uh, legal drugs, uh, I mean, I got a list here. Uh, there's plenty. You know, there's 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 a lot of them out there. Um, uh, well, I think that's some that's a good point to to go on is gas prices, inflation. You get it, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many problems. Sorry, there's so many problems that are happening that are affecting ever just about 99 percent of Americans. Yet you go up there and all you want to do is just you want to divide us even more instead of com- uniting us and being a leader and showing us that we're going to get through it, uh, you didn't do that. Well, so all that stuff that you listed are things that, as a president, he probably doesn't really want to talk about because he's not winning on any of those things. He didn't help him. He's not winning on gas prices. He's not winning on the border. He's not winning on the stock market. He's not winning on inflation. On inflation. He's not winning on any of those things. And he really can't do anything about it. Here and I don't know how long we want to stay on this, but the sad truth is whether it be Joe Biden or um the the Senate or the House we are spending an awful lot of time in this country. I feel kind of like we're we're winding the clock on the Titanic. Um, we're spending a lot of time yelling at each other, trying to divide one another, when we should be working on the problems that are pretty serious, and they're going to get a whole lot more serious. And, you know, this economy, it's not good. And it's probably not going to get any better. And some people think it's going to get a lot worse. But a quick, a quick stat that uh, I ran up into the other day was, you know, between 2008 and whenever we decided we were going to start tightening on interest rates, the United States government pumped about $4 trillion into the economy. And you can trace that back to about 92 cents of every dollar that got printed and sent out and given to people and pumped in, that went into the stock market. So the stock market went up. Well, now then we're, we're drawing that down. We're tightening up. We're pulling money out of the market and we're raising interest rates. That didn't ha- That's not going to happen overnight, but it's going to come out. Well, if for every dollar we pumped in, the stock market went up, or about 92 cents of that money went into the stock market, logic would be as we pull that money out, that money's coming out of the stock market. And if that's true, then... It's going to crash. Prices that you see for companies, regardless of their earnings and regardless of their performance, when there's less liquidity in the market there's less money to buy stock and somebody's got to sell for that money to come out. So your, your prices are going to come down. So that's just one example of what's happening. On top of that, and we're going to get to another big thing. I mean, you've got energy prices, you've got 
commodity prices, and those things are all tied together. And it's it's not good, and it's not going to get any better. And regardless of who who comes out in the midterms, and then forward, who becomes the next president? Because I don't think it's going to be Joe Biden. It'll either be somebody that they run as his replacement, or it'll be a Republican. And you know, I I don't know, but whoever that person is is going to inherit a mess. And through all of this, now is a very poor time to spend the energy to get up on stage, to look like the emperor, and paint half the country as being the biggest threat to, to democracy. Really, today, do you really think that people that have a different political view than you, that's the biggest threat to our democracy? I don't think if you do, you fucking lost your mind. You are fucking so removed from what's actually going on that you don't even you don't even it's what you say. You don't even know what you what you look like when you look in the mirror. You if you think that you're truly lost and you're the you are the problem. You are the problem because I it's unbelievable how many people. I don't know. I just I am I get so we're in a crucial time because. I think that if we do not, if something doesn't change in 2024, or well, 2022, if the midterms don't go well, but if something doesn't change and we don't get somebody to fix this mess in 2024, it's going to get really fucking bad. If somebody keeps adding to the mess, it's going to get even worse. And I've talked about my theory on what what's going on in the world, on the world stage in, in our country and why it's going on. I just... I think the World Economic Forum, whether you whether you look at it or not, those people do not have your best. They do not have our best interests in mind. They don't have the best interests of this country in mind. And I think truly, they really want to make it. They want to make this country so bad to live in and so bad to be in that we are begging the government to do something and change it. And they want to turn it to socialists. So they're willing to do whatever it takes. They're willing to hurt the supply chain, inflate the, the currency, do anything and everything to hurt this country so that we as the American people beg to them for a solution. And I mean, I don't know. You can say, oh, that's conspiracy theorists, but I mean, they have pretty much fucked up as much shit as you can fuck up in two years Yes, for... Not only, not only that, but the world... And COVID, sorry, but COVID also was a really scary thing just on how manipulative, manipulative the media was and how kind of bought in the government was on pushing this down our throat of we got to... I mean, it was really, it was, they took our rights away. And it was done so easily. Yeah. And, and so many people just willingly went along. Willingly went along with it. And that is just a scare. If you, that was manipulative. That whole deal was manipulative. And if you don't think that they're willing to do something a little crazier than that, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. So on a side note of that, um, today I was just, when I was getting ready for this podcast, I was perusing through, uh, Wall Street Journal and um, CNBC and just all the media, what the stories were going on. And in China, right now, there are 
five or six major cities, and when I say major cities, the smallest one of the cities that is locked down right now, I think is about uh, a couple million people, clear up to like 15 million people. And scattered from from north, south, east, west part of the country, but there's five or six cities that are on full lockdown, and there was an earthquake yesterday in one of those cities, and I, I don't know how many people died. The, the last I heard, there was like, like 70 people that had died, um, which... That's that's terrible, but compared to there was a big earthquake that hit there like eight years ago, like seventy thousand people died. But one of the complaints that is gotten out is there were people that were in apartment buildings that could not get out of the buildings because they were locked. The doors were locked because they were locked down, and they're just lucky that those buildings mm-hmm. didn't collapse. But China has a zero tolerance COVID policy, and the reason they do is because their vaccine does not work at all. They don't use any of the Western vaccines. They have their own, and it was only about 60% effective against the original coronavirus, and the the variants, it has almost no, it almost has no, um, it doesn't work at all. On. Yeah. But their economy is getting just absolutely hammered. Um because of it, and you're seeing the U.S. dollar strengthen because of this. But that is just an example of when, of where government, if given too much power, they make a lot of bad decisions. And in China, they're to the point where nobody, nobody speaks anything other than the policies that are put down from the top out of fear of being suicided or just yeah, executed, taken, you know, whatever. And so you have no pushback and that's how you get what you have. And the United States, I've heard that, and I'm guilty of this. There are a lot of, there's been a lot of times in the past few years when things have gone, like during COVID, we're lucky in that we live in a state of Iowa where we had a governor that was very proactive and trying to, hold on to our, our rights and not, not pushing the agenda that was trying to be shoved down everybody's throat. But, um, I, I made the comment that, you know, it's sad when as bad as it is here, we're still better than anywhere else in the world. Well, that's fine, but we're kind of the point where just because we're better than everywhere else in the world, there's part of the world that is trying to get us to that level. Mm Mm-hmm. And that is a real thing. And our next point is plays right into that, which is which is what's going on in Europe. But I um, want to say a little side note. Yeah. Did you see that Iber what do you call it? What is Ivermectin. It? Yeah, it's back on the C D C treatment list yep. for COVID now. Yep. And they thing that they outlawed in the very beginning to treat COVID that a lot of uh doctors recommend uh frontline doctors were recommending that said worked that they were using on patients that was working, uh, fired those doctors, you know, told us, told the media to totally outlaw, uh, I can't say the word, I keep messing it up. Ivermectin. Yep. And now it's back on the treatment list for COVID after they made all their money. And um, it was just, the reason it is, is because they reviewed 27, they said there was, 
I guess don't hold me this number, but the number that sticks in my mind is like 27, quote, peer-reviewed tests or trials or whatever, and it was positive outcome in all of them. So they... So the CDC said, "Oh, uh, sorry, not sorry. Uh, guess I guess it's I guess we were wrong, but they didn't say that. They just they just quietly put, put it, it back, back on the website. Yeah, put it back on there that it's okay to use. And that's just an example. I mean, we could go on and on, but let's move. Let's yeah, move go on. for it. Go for it. Um, so earlier this week, Russia shut down the Nord Stream One natural gas pipeline for maintenance." And then they ner- never turned it back on. And conveniently, the reason that they're giving is because they're claiming that what needs to be done to the pipeline for maintenance, the only company that can do it is a company based out of Germany. And that company can't do any work for Russia because of the economic sanctions that were put in place at the beginning of the Ukraine war. So, well played, uh, Russia, well played. So they're saying that unless the Europeans uh, withdraw those sanctions, that there's no way that they can turn on that pipeline and begin the flows of natural gas again. So, you know, they're the victim. Uh, it's Europe's own fault that they're, that they're not going to have any gas. Um, so the ripple effect of this is we're heading into winter. Um Europe supposedly has, I've heard differing numbers, but have about 80% of the gas reserves that they need to get through a normal winter. And there is other places to get natural gas. There is a pipeline that comes from Turkey into southern, uh, into the southern part of Europe. I think it comes up through Spain or Portugal that way. But it's not it's not as big and they can't get the volumes that they need. And so they're going to be looking for other places to try to get natural gas. And they can get some, but it's going to be more expensive. There's going to be more freight. And the problem, the big problem is that when you get to winter, they're going to have to make choices. And the choices are you're going to have to limit economic output because manufacturing will get, they will get restricted so that the gas that they have will be used for heating because obviously you don't want your population to freeze. Um, But this affects, everybody talks about Germany. Germany is the economic powerhouse of Europe um, and they're definitely going to be affected. But even, even Great Britain even England, who's no longer part of the EU, they still get natural gas imports via the Nord Stream 1 because it goes through Europe and then it goes underneath and goes to them. And they're trying to broker a deal with the United States. And the U.S. has said, and when I say the U.S. has said, I don't actually know who and what department or where, what statement was made, other than I've just heard that the U.S. has said that they're going to step up and try to supply, help supply the shortfall. Okay, what were we talking? We were talking about all the economic factors on the world stage that are going to affect what we have here. So one of the, the products that is made directly from natural gas 
is fertilizer, specifically nitrogen. And we're just going through a time this year where nitrogen prices skyrocketed. And what we have out in our field is one of the most expensive crops that we've ever raised. And we're going into next year. And everybody already knows that nitrogen is going to be expensive next year. If and when, I think it's a foregone conclusion that we will support Europe. And because of NATO and because our relationship with Europe and with with England, um, there's no doubt that we're going to support them. And we're going to ship crude oil. We're going to ship natural gas. And that will help them. However, the cost of fertilizer to put in a crop in Europe for next year is going to be astronomical. I mean, it's going to be outrageous. And here. And here. Mm -hmm. And so... When you talk about all of the things that our politicians should be working on. Well, there again, do you think that they even fucking think about that? Like that ripple effect? Do you think that they think about that ripple effect? That they're, that decision they're going to make, do they realize that that is going to ultimately hurt farmers in a massive, massive way? I don't think that it's front of mind for any... So all of these, all of your senators and your, and your president and all of your politicians, they have people on their staff in the government whose job it is to know something about all these different things. But they are, they're prioritizing all the time. And I don't think that they're aware I'll be honest, um, and I, you know, I've said this before, and obviously if you're a listener of the show over any period of time, you'll know that there are there are people that I value what they talk about, and they've definitely made an impression on me. And one of those pe- one of those people is Peter Zion. He's written four books, and um, he's a geopolitical uh, guy, and he does a lot of stuff with demographics. But until I heard his take on the Ukraine war when it first started and how that effect or what that effect was going to be on fertilizer prices, which in turn was going to be the effect on the worldwide output of wheat and soy Mm -hmm. and corn, and then the ripple effect of how that was going to affect livestock production. I'd never heard that anywhere else, and I'd never thought of it that way. And I had no idea. Looking at this, it's going to have the same ripple effect. Well, this is exactly what he's talking about. Exactly what he's talking about. And of all the problems that we have as a society, both here in America and across the globe, the biggest thing that can cause unrest faster than anything, and the Chinese know this so well, is people starving. Mm Mm-hmm. And China, for all the things that they've done to their people and all of the restrictions they have, they've done a really good job of raising the quality of health or quality of life for people as far as food security. Because they know that as long as they're fed, they'll put up with a lot. On On our side, I feel like we all spend a lot of time bickering about stuff that while it might be important today, might not be very important tomorrow. And when you get to a point 
in this country that you don't have food security, an awful lot of the things that we've spent a lot of political capital arguing about ain't going to matter. Aren't going to be? Yeah, it's not. It's not going to matter. Uh, question I had is, wasn't it really hard to get for? So I know it was expensive, but wasn't it also kind of a challenge to get fertilizer for a while? Or is yeah. it, is it, was it still? So is that, do you think that's also going to play into it? Because it's going to be expensive, but also that's going to hurt the amount of supply that that's there. And for next year, mm-hmm. it was hard. It was hard for some farmers to get it this year. Right. Going into next year, if they do that too, they do the natural gas thing, supply that to Europe going to be way more expensive and it's also going to be harder to get again yeah. so so the reason it's it is hard to get is because not all of the phosphorus potash nitrogen that we consume in the united states comes from us or canada part of that has come from ukraine mm-hmm. or russia so a couple of the biggest exports that russia has is fertilizer Obviously, that's not coming. So then the second biggest producer, and I can't, we talked about it in an earlier podcast, and I can't remember which, which of those items it is, but Ukraine, if Russia's number one, Ukraine's number two, or vice versa. If Ukraine's number one, Russia's number two. And all that off the table. Right now. So the United States has the, we have the, we have the resources that we could be Energy independent. We could be fertilizer independent, but it's not going to happen overnight. And so what will happen is the price will ration. So if you are trying to raise corn in a fringe part of the corn belt where your yield is not great, great, you're probably not going to spend the money to grow corn and buy that nitrogen. You're probably going to switch to something like wheat or Mm -hmm. something like soybeans. Because you're not going to be able... So if I can't raise 200 bushel corn or 220 bushel corn, if my county average is 100 and nitrogen is off the charts, I can't justify it. There's no way. I don't care what the price is. I don't care if corn's eight bucks. I can't make it work. And Mm. so you're going to switch to another crop, which in turn will just make the price of those crops that much higher, um, which that... While that might help the farmer this year, it doesn't help you for the next year because then your your inputs just get higher, your rent gets higher, all that stuff. But who it really hurts is the consumer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was going to say, I mean, if you're not a farmer, or you're not paying attention, or you don't live in the Midwest, you can kind of look out, but it's dry in a lot of places. Yeah. And corn doesn't look really good this year. Beans not looking great really either. And it's going to be kind of a harder year. And a lot of farmers aren't going to make enough money this year to pay for what's coming next year. Right. And this is not going to help that case at all if we give a lot of the natural gas to Europe. Because, like I said, I've been saying that fertilizer is going to ramp up. So we're going to need everything we can get, I guess, for prices to come down for next year's crop. And this is just not helping that at all. Okay. And then play on top of that. So what you're saying is farmers are going to have, they're going to need more credit because they're going to have to borrow more money to put in next year's crop. Okay. What's changed for next year versus last year or two years ago? Interest rates. So my operating line of credit, uh, what, two years ago, maybe 
three nine nine, three eight nine, uh, was four point two or four four point oh two, four point two. I mean, it's been cheap. Interest has been cheap for a long time. Uh, I think it maybe four six five or even five percent. And if the That's Fed where it jumps, is now. I think I know it's four six five. It might have get it might have jumped again. I don't know. But so if you're borrowing, if you're borrowing, so what I'm saying is, in the past, borrowing money. It's pretty easy. It was pretty easy, and it really wasn't much different than paying cash because you're paying such a low interest rate that it's really not hard to, you know, that cost isn't that high. But we're moving to a time where your inputs are going up, but then also the cost of money is going up. So if you are a, if you are a farmer... Over-leveraged. And you're over-leveraged, this is what's going to put some of those guys on the, on the out. And, um, it's just, that's another ripple. It's another ripple of what we're talking about. And so then you, you transfer these high costs and this low. So if, if the acres get cut back and the yields down, cause we can't put on as much fertilizer, then the prices of the grain gets higher, which that means your cattle, your hogs, your, your poultry, your turkey, anything that takes grain in turn goes up. That's going to go up, and who's going to have and to pay? And hog it? numbers are already down. Cow, the number of cows are down. Uh, poultry's down. Turkey's down. Everything's down. There's a there's a smaller supply. So what does that mean? That means that this inflation that we think that we can kill by raising interest rates, you can't really kill it because it's not it's not the money. It's the supply. So. If you don't have as many, if you don't have enough pork, chicken, beef, whatever in the store, demand outstrips supply. So then the the cost goes up, regardless of what interest rates are. So inflation, raising interest rates doesn't necessarily fix inflation when it comes to food if it's supply based. Just another <laughs> ripple. Oh gosh, that's a bomb. You got anything else to add to that uh, natural gas thing or? I think you pretty much covered all of it. I don't think so. I mean, um, it just it blows my mind. When I sit here and I ask you that first question of, do you think they even fucking think about that kind of shit? And you would think that the people running your country would know that kind of stuff, but then they do shit like that and they take actions like that, and you just look at them and you go, "Do you know? Do you know? Or are you potentially doing this because you want famine? I mean, you just start thinking about these things because." Good God, we we sitting here in Southeast Iowa, and we're farmers, so I guess you can think about it. We know a little bit more than probably the average person out there about these kind of things. But we figured it, you figured it out. You can put the pieces together. Yeah. You're telling me some motherfucker from in Washington, D.C. can't put that shit together and figure yeah. it out? And if they can't, that's a fucking concern. <laughs> but the other side of it is, they may be able to put that together, but the the machine... The machine turned so slow. I mean, let's face it. In the last eight years, has anything gotten done other than spending money? I mean, that's something. Think about that. Has anything really gotten done that you feel like has has helped us in a big way? I mean, other we all got a check in the mail. We are we always got we got an automatic deposit during COVID, and. There's some people out there that got their student loan uh, forgiven, which I think probably when it's all said and done will not happen because I think it's unconstitutional. I, 
I don't think I think that'll go to the Supreme Court, and I think it probably will be uh, ruled unconstitutional because I I don't think that any president can actually do that. But that's beside the point. But the gridlock and just I don't care what party on nothing gets done. So when you say don't they know what's happening? Well, they do, but everything gets used as a everything gets used as a wedge. We talked about two weeks ago about uh, immigration just being used as a football, being kicked back and forth. And so much stuff in our country is like that, and that's the problem, is the rest of the world, there's a lot of people in the world that are sharpening their knives and would like nothing more than to see the United States uh, fall to the level that um, they're on. They're on, And when we're... Yeah, go ahead. We're wasting a lot of time just arguing with each other about shit that doesn't matter. Yeah, we've said it. I think we've said it before. I mean, it's been a while since we've said it, but China, their ethics, they are they don't worry about social problems as much as we do in this country and focus on social problems just as much as we do in this country. And so, they have a mission. It's to grow their empire, and they're willing to do whatever it takes to do that, and ethics are out the fucking window. Well, people are expendable. People, the individual doesn't. And he, it's only the. It's only the. It's only the state. The yeah. individual doesn't matter in China. Yeah, but here, so you got countries in the world that are doing that. That are all they care about is growing their empire and getting bigger and getting better as a country. And they they don't. There is no democracy. It's we're doing this. This is what we're doing. We don't care what happens. Whatever right they're going to move right or wrong, they're moving at least. They're taking action. Here, it's gridlock. It's gridlock. We're just turning our wheels over and over again. And I, I'm not saying we need to just roll with one party and rock with it. We need to, we need to figure some shit out and get going. And I don't want this. I don't want you guys to tune into this show and be like, God, you know, it's doom and gloom all the time. Because we're going to get into what we can do about it as Americans. What we feel we can do about it as Americans. I mean, we've said it many times. They want you. They want you unhealthy. They want you to be broke. They want you to comply with everything that they fucking say. So do the opposite. I, I, that's what I'm striving to be because the people that founded this country, the people that died for this country, died for your chance, chance to make something great of yourself and great for your family and great for this country. And so what you can do, your obligation as an American is... Try to be the best American you can be and try to be the best individual you can be and just go against what they're trying. They want us to sit down and watch Netflix. They want us to eat shitty food. They want us to not go to the gym and work out and get exercise ever. They want you to be addicted to your phone. They want you to rely on their drugs. I mean, it's all kind of becoming coming out. More and more people are figuring this shit out little by little. So do the fucking opposite. They want you to be broke and not they demonize people that are wealthy and say that it's evil. Because they don't want you to be rich. They don't want you to be wealthy. Because they don't want you to showcase that to other Americans that it's possible. Not even wealthy. They don't want you to be financially independent. They want you to be indebted. Yeah. They don't want you to own a car that's paid for. They don't want you to own a house that's paid for. Or they don't want you to rent an apartment within your means and be investing the extra money that you're not spending on buying a house. All those little things, the machine, some of that government, some of that just business has been built on the idea of keeping people as consumers. 
They want people to consume. And they won't want you to live too long. Yeah. I mean, they don't. They don't want you to live too long because if you live too long, you quit consuming. You quit consuming. I mean, that's so true. That's 100% true because when you look at the difference between, excuse me, between Sawyer and I, I'm 52, you're 22, right? Is that right? Yep. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Sometimes it's a little fuzzy. Um, but I don't need much. Like, my hand tools are getting pretty old, but they still work. And I live in the house that I inherited from my parents because he moved into my house. But, you know, it it doesn't need a bunch of stuff. I don't, I don't need a bunch of stuff. And I'm driving a car that I really like that I've had for, I don't know, 10 years or so. And I'm not a big consumer. Sawyer's got to get every, like, he's got to get everything. He's got to get everything. And so you're th- saying as you get older, you become less of a consumer. Right. And if so, you're a health, if you are a healthy old person, right? If you're a healthy old person, uh, and and that's the thing is, people my age, if you think like the idea of fitness isn't talked about enough, that's fitness done on in purpose. my age isn't talked about at all. The only thing that's talked about my age is make sure you go to the doctor and uh, get a thumb, thumb stuff stuck, stuck up your ass. So you well, and. And Check take this. If you got this ache, take this. If you got this, take this. There's a pill for that. Don't don't worry about why. Don't worry about the why. Quick fix. Just treat the treat the symptom. And I mean, we're getting off a little bit, but um, it's so true. And Think for yourself. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I say, go, do the opposite of what they're trying. Most most likely, a lot of it, we always say it. Think for yourself. Look at things differently go dig for yourself, go research. But when you kind of start to look at those things and figure out things, a lot of this stuff is done on purpose. Probably not for the betterment of you and the people of, of the country or the world, whatever you want to say. So do the opposite of those things that you come to realize. If, you want, if they want you to be unhealthy and eat McDonald's every day, do opposite. Go to the gym, work out, get it, go on a 15-minute walk, do something healthy every day. Don't spend all your time consuming. Don't spend all your time becoming a consumer. And you'll be surprised if you strive for you strive to be a better person, strive to be a better American, you strive for something great for your family and for the betterment of this country. That sets a lot of that sets the standard in your community. Wherever you're from, that sets a standard. Some people might be like, oh, fuck that guy. He's trying to be better than everybody else. But there's going to be 10 other guys that look at you and go, he's setting the standard. He's doing that for his family. I'm going to do it for mine. And that is how we change things. If we're not a consumer and we're not relying on the government and we're free thinkers and we're healthy individuals and we do everything that the establishment is trying to uh, conform us to be, that's that's hard to fucking control. Yeah. That's really hard to control. So that's what we can do. And also go vote. That's what we can do is and you got to control the controllables. But at the end of the day, that's what we can do as individuals, as American citizens, is live a, a, a very fulfilling and independent. independent life. And I think that's what America was founded on and people die, died for uh fighting for this country for that they want people to have the opportunity to make something for themselves and their family and so and set the standard yeah it's your obligation so let's talk about um we talked about your own life but 
uh, something else to think about is when we talk about national politics and even really in some cases state politics, you don't feel like you've, you don't feel like your vote, you know. There's some people that, yeah, they think you don't vote feel don't like that you're making much of a change. And unfortunately, and I'll just say it, it's the elephant in the fucking room when it comes to voting. There's half the country or I don't know, but some, some feel that the last election wasn't, didn't have a lot of integrity. And that's kind of a scary feeling, and you might be discouraged to go back to the polls. You can't let that happen. Right. We cannot let that happen. But your local elections, your local elections get overlooked a lot, and everything starts at the local level. Starts on your school board. Starts on your local officials. And let me give you an example uh, the most recent in the in the little town we live in, the most recent um, uh, city council vote, which I don't vote in the city council vote because I don't live in the town. But the person that won, a lot of people that share my point of view weren't very happy that that person won. But the reason they won, they won by like twenty more votes than the person that everybody thought was probably going to win. That person did a good job of getting people out to vote for them, and they won. Your vote is important in local elections. And I'll, and I'll give you another example. You have, to be, you have to be involved in where you live, in your local, what goes on in your town. So there is an issue. I'm not going to get into it. There is an issue uh, in the little town we live in with uh, something was going on and a lot of people were upset about it and there's some people that um, kind of have the opinion that you know you do you and it's it's all fine and don't I, worry I, I about it don't worry about yeah, it just kind of stick their head in the sand but so they had a meeting about it nothing nothing to be voted on just public opinion, people talking about their, people giving their thoughts on it. They had this meeting at two o'clock in the afternoon on like a Wednesday. Well, guess what? The only people that showed up for the most part were city officials and retired people and people that were involved in nonprofit organizations that deal with the issue that was going on that have a vested interest in continuing that to go on. People who have nine to five jobs and that have children that go interact downtown where this stuff was going on, guess what? They were not the ones that could use their voice because they were doing shit. Because they were working. Yeah. Because they're working. And I just thought that that was really interesting because you can say, oh, yeah, well, that was just the convenient time that they could do it. Mm, I don't think so. I think that that time was chosen on purpose because they knew that some of the people that had been affected by this or had loved ones that had been, effect, been affected by it couldn't voice their opinion because they were working. They were, couldn't show and up. And those are the kind of things that at... You know, me 10 years ago, I wouldn't have given that a second thought because I would have been like, oh, well, no big deal. Because I, I didn't care. I wasn't paying attention. But when you pay attention, you, you're like, well, why, why is that like that? Well, I don't know for sure why it's like that, but I was curious 
to me, it was curious that that was done that way. So pay attention, be involved, do what you can do um, at your level because it all goes up. So the government really likes to do top down, but we as, as citizens of this country, we need to be proactive in worrying about bottom up. Right. Change at the bottom. Focus on your family, focus on your community and setting the standard of what you think America should be. Be strive for excellence. Strive to make your community better. Strive to make your household better. Because if every single family out there does that, every small town, every community sets a higher standard and wants to be wants to go against the establishment, and that's kind of what the town is, that's hard to control. And that's that spreads. Yeah. And the great thing is we got we, you know, social media, we say it's got some bad, it's got some positives, but you can also make a bigger impact outside of just your communities too. But I'm just saying, start with your communities because that's important. Every small town, if every small town, every little community out there sets that standard and goes against the establishment and strives for greatness, they can't fucking control us. And that's what we can do. That's what we can do. Because I, you know, we, we sat here and we we're like, we don't want to keep giving you guys doom and gloom all the time. Well, that's what we can do. Yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, to jump back a little bit, you know, you were talking about um, you were talking about um, taking care of yourself, and you know what? I mean i I have not done a very good job of taking care of. Well, I get plenty of exercise. I feel like I get plenty of exercise. Uh, loading pigs is like cardio for me. But let's face it, I spend a lot of time sitting on my arse too, as far as that goes. And um, I used to always say that um, my my body was kind of like a tree and every year I added a ring and I've had some good years. And, um, when the last pant size that I bought started to get tight, uh, my wife and I decided that, uh, we need to do a better job of taking care of ourselves. And so for the first time in my life, and this is part of getting older, cause when you're young, you feel like you can eat anything. It doesn't really matter. You can treat yourself as poorly as you want and you can get by with it for quite a while. The, the problem is it's not the years, it's the mileage. And when that mileage starts to uh, catch up, uh, it'll kind of play hell with things. But we, I really like pasta. I really like pasta. <laughs> I like eating uh We should have been Italian. Yeah, I should have been. Because we eat a shitload of pasta. I like that. And um, my wife is an amazing cook. And we can make about anything taste good with a stick of butter and some Parmesan cheese and some heavy cream. I mean, let's face it. It's just, that's, it's, it's pretty damn good. Um, but I was suffering, uh, from eating pasta three or four days a week or nights a week or whatever. And we made the decision that we were going to, we were going to stop. We were going to do something different. And I, I will have pasta once in a great while, but we've pretty much cut that out. I eat a lot more salmon. I eat a lot more just meat without a bun. Um, and one of the, I'm convinced this is one of the best things I ever did. This is my health advice to you. And it may not work for you, but it's really worked for me is we started making overnight oats. So we just take uh, oatmeal and a little bit of cinnamon, a little bit of vanilla and honey and put milk in it, fill it up to where it's level and then we put it in the fridge and then in the morning we put walnuts and blueberries in it and I have that every morning uh, now 
on occasion, I'll have that every morning, and then I might have a slice of bacon later on, too, because, I mean, you got to have that. And really, bacon is almost a perfect food, too. Uh, look it up. But just making that one change and sticking to it has has paid great dividends. And part of the reason is because when you when I eat the oatmeal, I'm not near as hungry at noon, and so I don't eat as big a lunch. And then at supper, I just try to eat you know, something halfway healthy. And when my last box of cereal went uh, empty, I didn't buy anymore. I don't keep any cereal in the house. Got rid of the, the potato chips. Yeah, we and we don't eat any chips. If I had to give one piece of advice, the best thing you can eliminate out of your diet is seed oils. Mm-hmm. Do not do not eat anything if you can. And I mean, we just ate we just ate at a restaurant in Iowa City. We had an appointment up there, and um, in moderation, I guarantee you that uh, the wings that I had were fried in peanut oil or some kind. Well, of oil. All fast food is. Yeah, I mean it all is. But we don't have any, we have no uh, corn oil, soybean oil, canola oil. We don't have any of that. We cook with avocado oil or olive oil, and we don't buy any chips. I haven't had a bag of chips and I don't know how long, and I love them, um, but we don't have them. And I don't have, I don't have that stuff to snack on. If I get hungry and I'm going to have a snack, I mean, I'll have a, I'll have a slice of cheese or I'll have a, a beef stick or you know, something like that. Nuts. Nuts. Full of nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I would just say, you know, you, that's a good way. Like when I say strive for excellence, you got to start small. Yep. So, I mean, I'm not saying do what you can do, but strive to be better and do those small changes. Cause if you do this enough small changes over time, you're going to change your lifestyle and be a healthier person and go against establishment and whatever it is, whether it's your finance, health, fitness, whatever. But if you're, we're going to stay on fitness a little bit, and I'll just give you my spiel because, and this is a great thing about the age we live in. Anything you want to look up and find, you can figure out information pretty easily. This is the rules you got to stick by. If you want to lose weight, you got to eat less calories than you burn. And you can figure out the equation of what that is online, and you can find it. And if you're trying to gain weight and grow muscle, eat more calories than you burn because you're in a caloric uh, surplus. Caloric deficit is when you burn, eat less calories than you burn. That's a caloric deficit. And if you want to gain weight, muscle, you got to eat in a caloric surplus. So you got to eat more calories than you burn. And you can figure that out online. So go figure that out. So if you want to change your body, you got to do it those two ways. Yep. You got to eat a certain amount of carbs, a certain amount of protein, and a certain amount of fats. And you can find all that stuff online and it'll, it'll tell you. But that is literally... All you got to do when it comes to your diet is those is those things. And you can either gain muscle or lose fat. It's not a shake and it's not a pill. And I'm not saying it's as easy. It's not, yeah, it's not a shake. It's not a pill. What that Don't fall for that shit. But, you know, fitness is not an easy journey, but it is a rewarding one. So if you ever do it, uh, you'll, you'll feel good and it's rewarding. So that's all I got to say about that. But I hope you guys gained some value and some insight on this one. I hope you related with us in some 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 way and i hope you guys try to set your standard in your community because that's what we can do to try to make this country better in our own lives that's what us guys can do so i appreciate everybody we appreciate everybody uh and we'll see you guys back go pay the fee and we'll see you guys back in the next one (laughs) 